0: become a patron of entertainment landfill go to patreon.com landfill for details entertainment landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you thank you ejected spare
1: part canisters floating in space and the other was found in an old tube tv landfill together they do the entertainment news the entertainment landfill news that is
0: Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Stuff. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, The Jaystrom. This is a show where we talk about film, television, and pop culture. And I don't do the show alone. I do with Stephen, the pop culture zelly. Hey, what's happening? Hello, Stephen. How are you doing oh, today?
1: Fantastic, sir.
0: Having a fantastic week, I hope. Yeah. You know what? We didn't do a show last friday because we had the opportunity to go see a movie mm-hmm. that we could have seen on saturday but i saw that brigsby bear was showing in dallas but not only that the star of the film kyle mooney was doing a Q and i was like oh we gotta go to this i i don't i don't go to these things you know and whoa somebody's got a base mobile outside uh so I asked you if you want to go. You said yes. So we went to Dallas last Friday. Instead of doing a show, I know, I'm sorry, guys, we went to see Briggsby Bear, and we saw a Q&A. Now, it was kind of neat to see the star of the movie. It's kind of weird to watch a movie, then the guy's there, you know? Yeah. But all the questions are pretty much stupid, right?
1: Pre- people I mean, there ask. were a couple of okay, you There were,
0: like, innocent questions. Yeah. People, Some people get a little, you know, awestruck, starstruck, or whatever, by yeah. someone being there. Uh, but... The questions, you know. Afterwards, I thought of like, "Oh, that would have been a good question" or something like that. But uh, I couldn't think of anything. I just sat there. It was like, "This is neat. I am going to just soak in this uh, thing that we're at."
1: I don't want at- to st- stand up and ask a stupid, embarrassing question. Yeah,
0: apparently, you know? but, and other I couldn't people think of any. Other people don't have that
1: fear. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a fear. It's just, it's just a dumb question.
0: Yeah, one guy was like, um, "Yeah, what's your spirit animal?" And he was like, oh, I've been asked that before. And right then I was just like, oh, it's like you guy thought he was going to be funny and clever. Somebody's asked that to him before. Not so clever, are you? <laughs> you know?
1: Or was it he'd seen an interview and he he's seen if he'd give the same answer a second mm-hmm. time? Yeah. You know, somebody trying to be He said, funny. I'm a,
0: f- a funky frog. And they are like, was, people are like, uh uh-huh. But Kyle Mooney, you know, from Saturday Night Live, he does these funny videos on Saturday Night Live and funny skits. I showed you that one mm-hmm. where, you know, it was like they were on some <laughs> it was some kind of reality show called The Beach House.
1: Yeah, so it's like MTV's...
0: Uh, or like Big Brother or, or Big something Brother like that. Big Brother type
1: place. yeah.
0: But they had the, like the diary room thing down like... Oh, what's going on here? What's he doing here? And then be like, you know, whatever. It was pretty funny. But uh, Brixby be Bear, I don't want to spoil anything because remember, I talked about it, I didn't want to know much about it. I just knew the trailer looked intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I will say this much about it it's about a guy who's obsessed with his favorite childhood TV show, right? Correct. Maybe other people can't relate to him on that level, like his family. And they're trying to understand his obsession with it, and instead of rejecting it, maybe they might try to join. You know, I—I'll say this: the film is about not just kind of nostalgia for things you love as through childhood that make you feel warm and safe. It's also feeling
1: like an outsider, being trying to be fit in
0: yes and sharing it with other people and other people accepting you and maybe creating something and how creativity when you do it with other people that you love can have this incredible feeling don't you think when you make something with friends or family you work on something together how there's it's kind of like i almost think of like when Emma uh, when Emma, when Vanessa and I were like teenagers, and my friend Ray, we would make these horrible videos where we'd just be goofballs, we'd pretend it's star search where You know, Vanessa would be the host. She'd be Egg McMahon. And I would keep walking on and being a different guy, doing different things. And it was just really stupid. And, you know, Ray would be shaking the camera because he'd be laughing or whatever. And we would go, okay, we're done. You know, we've been doing this for like three hours. We'd put it in and we'd just laugh our asses off. We'd have a great time. Of course, anybody else who would walk in, what are you guys watching? Oh, this video we made. And they'd just sit there watching and go, what is this? Oh, my God. This is 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 terrible. terrible. But we're entertaining ourselves, You wasted right?
1: your time doing this.
0: <laughs> but the movie kind of reminded me of that kind of glee over creation, you know? Do you get that? hmm Also, not a cynical... No cynicism in the movie at all, would you say? No. And it had this kind of uh, awe shucks and kind of sense of wonder about it.
1: I'm trying to think. I mean... I thought it was an awesome movie. It was a great movie. Um, How do we even explain it without giving everything away? I'm
0: trying to not give anything away, just kind of basic. Yeah. The Kyle Mooney character is very kind of an innocent, naive guy. And there's something charming about that, how he's kind of like...
1: I I kind of... I, I said he was... Kind of Napoleon Dynamite ish, mm-hmm. yeah, in his innocence.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah,
1: um, kind of naivete.
0: There's this part without giving anything away where his dad takes him to this cheesy teenage hockey movie. You know, do you remember that? Yes. And like uh, this, the goalie. They're like, take your ma- take your mask off to the goalie, and the goalie takes his his mask off and shakes his hair out. It's a girl. And you see him just go, whoa, like he's blown <laughs> away by that because like uh, it's like just
1: bad news bears. Yeah, like
0: sense of wonder, like any anybody else would be like, oh, God, that's so predictable. He's like, whoa, I can't believe it. It's a girl. I don't know. All I can say is just go see the movie. I honestly think it's going to be the kind of movie I watch over and over again, you know, like a million times.
1: I think I'm going tomorrow night to go see it. Again. oh,
0: sweet, yes, that's awesome. I want to see it again too. Melissa. Awesome. I hope she likes it. I don't Heather
1: it's playing at grapevine Mills the, the oh cool, it's place. closer now.
0: That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, you know, they said it would be opening each weekend and it's somewhere else. so hopefully, you know if you check online if it's not anywhere you live it might be next week you know they're moving it around
1: they're playing it a lot of, i think alamo draft houses are playing it yeah
0: it's a very indie movie so yeah. it's in select theaters and uh i i we took heather and emma too and i was hoping they'd like it cuz you know based on what i saw in the trailer it looked interesting but i was like oh i hope this is a good movie <laughs> you yes. know it was close to what
1: I, on the trailer that I saw, but there was a twist that you, that they don't show you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, really, it's, it's kind of a cool reveal.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it was funny because Emma does this thing. I do this thing sometimes too, when Cause. something awkward happens in a movie to a character or something embarrassing, like I look away or I cover my ears. I don't want to hear it because it's so embarrassing. I don't really do that as much now, but I at certain parts because the main character is so awkward in situations with like cool people, cool kids, or whatever that I looked over at her and she was like covering her ears, kind of looking down. <laughs> She's doing the same thing that I would do. I was like, "Stop! Look at the movie. It's okay." <laughs> and uh, Heather, she teared up at parts because it is a sweet movie. Yes, and uh, I can't wait to see it again, man. I really love, uh, Brigsby bear. Like one of my favorite movies I've seen in a long time. Like every once in a while you see a movie, it just gets you excited. Like, Oh, I want to. And I was even like, I want more Brigsby bear episodes to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I should have, uh, asked Kyle Mooney. Oh uh, yeah. When will they upload every Brigsby bear episode? I mean, like, uh, it's like, yeah. Yeah. it's not a real thing. Not a real <laughs> show. It's like, what? <laughs> But guys, you should check that out. Now, Steven, it's been several weeks yeah. <laughs> since The Dark Tower came out. Let me ask you this: Have you moved on? You kind of just forgot all about it by yeah, now. I, as has the rest of the world, yeah. yeah
1: it's, <laughs> it's gone by the wayside. It's beyond talking about anymore, isn't it?
0: I just I want to know your thoughts on it, just <clears throat> briefly. Uh, like, is it a movie you'll ever watch again? Uh, if I watch it on cable
1: again, it might be. I, I I won't pay for it again. I won't buy a DVD. Maybe
0: probably. a few minutes and then change the channel or something. Yeah, it's you know like
1: you've probably all discussed you discussed it already, and it's like it's it's not the Dark Tower. Sorry. Yeah, it's got Dark Tower elements, but it's not.
0: I wish I had said this before, but I thought about this. Do you know how the book Charlie the Choo Choo? is like this weird alternate universe remnant of Blaine the Monorail and another, mm-hmm. uh, in another, Mid- in Midworld. The Dark Tower movie is like this faint kind of strange right. imitation of the real story Dark Tower in an alternate universe. Right. So it's not the books, it's supposedly a sequel, which I, yeah. Bill and I talked about this, is the Horn of Eld mentioned at all in the movie? Never. Do you see it? I don't think so. I think it's sticking out of his bag. Yeah, you pointed that out,
1: and I'm like going...
0: No mention of it at all. Yeah. So, wasn't that like, oh, this is a sequel to the books, kind of horseshit a little? Yeah. Yeah, it
1: felt like it was to me. It's like, okay, you read the, the... The director supposedly read the books, was a fan of Kings, really wanted to do this, and bastardized it.
0: Do you think that they did you think this why bother at all once you had seen the movie if you weren't going to even come close to adapting the series then why bother take the best moments from the books but no not even that they make weird
1: little mentions of the best parts in the books, (laughs) and that's as close as it got you know
0: you know, I I haven't finished the series, but what did you think? Because uh, don't, I don't even You're know. You're not
1: even if... going to read them anymore.
0: <laughs> at this point, no. Uh, maybe, but I want to, what did you think of the Roland versus, versus the man in black, Walter, at the end of the movie? Were you like, what was going on in your head as you were watching that battle? Uh, why? <laughs> what did you think of him catching Roland's bullets and then throwing them back at him?
1: Dumb, <laughs> dumb.
0: <laughs> what did you uh, think of Roland blocking the bullets with his guns, like going pew, pew.
1: just as dumb? Like what the hell? What did you turn into, Wonder Woman? <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> what? Did, what about this? Did you notice that Jake, when he comes out of the uh, the portal at the end, and the place blows up? Were you like, what happened to all those innocent children that were captured? <laughs> <laughs> they like, they didn't free him or anything. Yeah, what happened to him? It's so funny. What What did you think of? Okay, you have. What do you have to say about uh, Idris Elba as Roland? I mean, if he's he's he's.
1: Can be a gunslinger all he wants, but he's not Roland mm-hmm. in my mind. Did you think
0: he tried his best? Maybe uh, with he the material. I mean, he wasn't bad for. I mean, he. What'd you think about Jake? And again, the kid was okay. I was worried he was going to be more anakin. You Yeah, like, are you a gunslinger or something like that? But and he there wasn't... were
1: some cringing moments when they said <laughs> stupid shit like that. Yeah, you like. Know?
0: Yeah, you're gonna like Earth. It's there's like lots what? of
1: guns and bullets.
0: Yeah, there's lots of bullets in Earth. <laughs> and also, uh, what did you think of Matthew McConaughey? Um, it, he didn't really have too
1: much there. I mean, it was Las
0: Vegas magician.
1: Um, I'd say it's kind of like a a, a, a a bad Anton Levey. <laughs>
0: My favorite <laughs> description satanic dude, you know. After the trailer I remember Ross Pony saying he texted me and he goes, He's like a restaurant tour, like in New York or something. Yeah. Guy runs a restaurant. That's like what he looked a, like. like a I
1: guess a, a new age wannabe gangster dude, you know. that... what did you think uh, of all the different my
0: boss? Did it seem like they just gave him powers at random? Like, okay, how about he does this? Yeah, he can just make people die. He's the purple man from uh, Jessica Jones. I don't know if you saw that. He is the power of suggestion, he can tell you anything, mm-hmm. and you have to do it. That's what they did with, uh, Ro- with Walter. Walter. They were like, hey, let's make them like the Jessica Jones show, the purple man. It was like, okay, okay, let's do. It. How about he lights people on fire, too? Oh, okay. Here's another thing that I haven't brought up. What would you think of Jake having The Shining, Stephen?
1: I don't He didn't have it in the book. So <laughs> what
0: do you think of I, that change
1: there? Do you remember they're when... They're just trying to tie too much Stephen King all together. I think it's funny I know that... Stephen King can do it.
0: Yeah, let's make him have The Shining. How many times have they mentioned The Shining in the movie? A lot. (laughs) A, A whole lot. Yeah, he's got The Shine. One thing I told Bill, and I go... Wait, Danny Torrance, he had The Shining, and it was kind of special. He's a special little boy, but this movie, all of the children with The Shining, it's like, this is an epidemic. Like, all kids have The Shining here, don't they? Not all. That's what they were looking for
1: special. They were looking for special But I mean,
0: there's a lot of kids with
1: The Shining. There are a lot of kids with The Shining, but (laughs) Jake had the most powerful shine. He was the Anakin.
0: He was. He was the Luke Skywalker or whatever. He was the chosen one. Yes. Yeah, so should we ever talk about the Dark Tower movie again?
1: Uh, Probably not. <laughs> probably
0: not. <laughs> I just want to say, I, mean, as, I, I, I tried to let the movie come to me, Stephen, but there were times in the movie where I kind of like well, did I mean, that. They,
1: where I they, they winked too hard at all the Stephen King stuff. The, you know, yeah,
0: none of the references in the were movie subtle were, were subtle. It was kind of like, oh, hey, look at this. Hey, look, the Christine car. Hey. He's
1: playing with it. You remember it how It wasn't hidden in the background and
0: Yeah. There's I didn't even notice the misery chastain book. I saw that in the video later showing all the Easter eggs. Yeah. But it's just leaning against something like, Oh, well let's put this misery book right here. People spot that and it's just like there's nothing
1: so many need to be kicked in the balls really yes.
0: hard. Because when you read the books and Stephen King has a little Easter egg to his other books. It feels special, like oh, like you discovered something. Well,
1: I'll, I'll just say for one uh, for one example in in Tommyknockers, mm-hmm. they have to go down to Dairy to get. They're getting the, the two people go down to Dairy to get a bunch of batteries, right? And as they're coming back, they think they're hallucinating because they think they see a clown in the sewer. Well, they see Pennywise. They're in Dairy, right? Right, and that's. You know, total fine little little wink, cool and, uh, little reference, yeah. And then, like, I keep, I'll keep, I'll mention a couple. You know, one more was, like, the little boy in the beginning of the talisman. Mm-hmm. He saves the main character from tal the Tommyknocker's life. So, That's awesome. So, if the talisman didn't happen, Tommyknockers didn't happen. Right. <laughs> you know. So
0: well, there's even like in the. In the Dark Tower books in the Wizard and Glass, they they go to the world of the stand. Right. And there's kind of references to the walking dude and stuff like that. And it's and in to the, Captain to Trips loops. And it's really cool. You're like, Oh wow, this is awesome. But you know, it's just kind of a little like all these different Stephen King worlds exist. And it's really neat. In the movie, they kind of do it in a pandery way. We're like, hey, everybody, look at this. There's not it's much to our movie. movie. Yeah, look at this. This exists. Hey, look, it's Cujo walking along with uh, the mom and kid or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, okay. I I, I uh, referenced before when you go, did you see the number above the portal? And I was yeah. like, how can I miss it? 1408. Yeah. It's just like, uh what about that? I know. I, well, I know. You're,
1: there's lots of stuff to look at, and it's mm-hmm. like, what are you? What are you looking at? You know.
0: The funniest thing, the one I, the one Easter egg I wanted, but I didn't notice, is when Jake is on some kind of message board looking for this house, uh, the whatever hill house, yeah, the haunted house, and some guy says, "Oh, that's near my neck of the woods. It's all over here," and I didn't see the name, but I wanted it to say so bad Eddie Dean on the message board. Yeah. Did you notice who said it? No, I didn't. I didn't either. But that would have been a cool Easter egg right there, because you barely notice, or you spot it for something like, "Oh, cool, that's Eddie Dean you answered him," or something like that. But there's nothing like that, so
1: yeah, they need to be way more subtle with their little Easter eggs. They, you know, the Dark Man didn't need to have all these omnip- uh, all these powers that were over the top.
0: Mm-hmm. He's, he's, a, he's a wizard. But or, if he's
1: omnipotent, why do you, you know, did you spoil the movie at the end? I mean, we've already talked about the big battle at the end. So, I mean, mm. you know, the fight with him and, you know, uh, Roland and Walter. So, um, I, I don't get it. You know, it's like, because I guess at the end of The Stand, everybody's seen The Stand movie, I assume, hopefully, by now. Yeah. But you know the dark man is there when the nuke goes off at the end. Yeah. Reading the book, and I don't remember in the movie if it did this, but he wakes up on an island not knowing who he is. Right. I think it was in the movie. I don't think
0: it happened in the TV movie, did it? I think so. Uh, I don't remember that. I don't think so, it did. So like, well, I, I don't know why I'm saying that because it probably did, and I should just go look later. But well, this,
1: I, I've read the stand twice now, so yeah, I mean, it's like. It's kind of, it's kind of confusing what happened
0: in the TV show yeah. and what happened in the book. But again, this is a Sony property that they royally screwed. Like, if there's, they keep saying they're going to do a Dark Tower TV show. I'm not looking Don't. forward to it. You're just if, going to if, screw
1: it up. If you can't do a book at a time or t- two books at a time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they gave I mean, him plenty of money, obviously this why, movie had a sixty million dollar budget. It needed way more money. Why couldn't they that. do a
1: Lord of the Rings work on this? Do three movies?
0: Yeah. How much money did they spend? You know, that red letter media video about Ghostbusters just came out, and it's been enough time now where people can admit to themselves, like, yeah, that movie sucked. I don't know what it was, what it was, it was a disaster. They spent like two hundred and fifty million dollars on that movie that was a turkey at the box office maybe that's why they didn't want to spend more than 60 million on the dark tower but it's obvious that sony keeps making the same mistakes where they second guess every part of the creative uh aspects of the film that they just come out with this lifeless thing where people are trying to hold it together the did, actors did, are did trying you mention
1: why roland didn't or ed russell would, wouldn't work as roland and when you and Bill talked about it? Because, no. I mean, I don't know how many people have read the books, and I don't want to ruin it, but mm-hmm. there is a reason, and you know why it is. Right, and, well. And if you've watched, if you looked at any Dark Tower threads, it probably says it right in there.
0: What did you think of Stephen King saying, well, actually, I never mention uh, in the books. And are you like, are you senile, old man? Yeah, you're kind of insane. <laughs> I think Read he's... the last
1: book over, Stephen
0: Bill and I kinda of talk about Stephen King now. His job is to plug the movie when it comes out and then kind of forget about it afterwards. He did his job. He wrote he wrote the books, you know, he doesn't care. You know. He'll he'll root for the film, but once it's out it's like, Oh, thanks for going to see it, everybody, and then he moves well, on. There's no
1: money in his pocket for it. <laughs> other than somebody buying another book.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like But trust
1: with, me, he did his job. I mean, if you hadn't read a Stephen King book and you went and saw that movie it's so funny. Would it make you want to go read the books?
0: We saw the movie with Melissa and I said, well, Stephen, maybe somebody who hasn't read the books would enjoy this. And she goes, well, I haven't read the books and I didn't care for this. <laughs> I thought it was a hilarious response. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I have my answer. So it's nothing Did that you
1: makes somebody want to go read the books. It wasn't that exciting.
0: When the movie ended. I want to read the, I, I haven't
1: read Lord of the Rings.
0: Right. I want to read it. Yeah, no,
1: because of the. You movies. want the
0: movie to get somebody to go. Well, I want to read the books to this, not yeah. be like, dude, this is jacked up. I'm not. I want to read these. But did you notice a guy kind of yelled at the screen at the end of the movie? Did you notice that? Uh. Uh-uh. I swear, a guy goes, "That was caca," like that. Oh, I had no clue. I, I just kind of was like, "What the hell?" And I was like, "Well, yeah, he's right. It <laughs> is <this? laughs> <It's> caca." <laughs> oh my god. It was a disaster, Steven. All right, let's move on to other things. You ready to do some uh, entertainment news? Sure. All right, Steven. I don't know if you've heard about this, but Obi Wan standalone Star Wars movie in development. This uh-uh. has been this has been rumored for quite a while.
1: What's development? Does it what does that mean? <laughs>
0: it means uh, I don't know. It's they're talking about it. <laughs> Obi Wan may be getting his own standalone movie from Lucasfilm. According to a new report from Hollywood Reporter, again, you got to repeat the headline in the first line of the story, mm-hmm. Steve. Director Stephen Daldry, who did such films as Billy Elliot and Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, is said to be in early talks with Lucasfilm to develop a movie based on the beloved Jedi. Okay, first of all, eh, do not hire that guy. You want to hire George Miller, who did Mad Max, to direct a tattooing set obi-wan movie that's basically like a mad max film where obi-wan never leaves tatooine he never goes in space in this movie steven he's battling Tusken raiders there's these famed crate dragons that we see the skeleton to he's gonna battle a crate dragon in the movie that's what, what, mean, what he i, I want to live it.
1: in a cave as a hermit the whole movie and just yeah have you ever seen that, that movie mad talking to himself
0: that movie baby's day <laughs> out uh where the guy it's like the cartoon where they're watch a baby crawls on a construction site going yeah. dun, dun, and it's going and you're like Ah baby and it's going dun 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 dun, dun and it carries him and it drops and he keeps walking I want to see like that baby Luke crawling and <laughs> Obi-Wan's like, he's like, ah! and he's running over and he's like, and a crane picks up baby Luke and he still keeps crawling. And he's kind of, he's using the force to hold a girder to crawl across <laughs> so he doesn't follow his in a Sarlacc pit or something. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's what I want to see, Stephen. Steven. Um, oh, that's how I do an Obi Wan movie. Infant Luke and Obi Wan's babysitting him, basically. <laughs> Baby Luke's day out. <laughs> Baby Luke's day out. That's what I want. So here's what it says It's unclear which portion of the Obi Wan Kenobi's life the movie might focus on, as the standalone movie reportedly has no script, but Jason Wallstrom has just started writing it. <laughs> It's also unclear if this p- is planned to be a Lucasfilm's third standalone anthology movie, which is set to debut in 2020 after Star Wars Episode Nine. An Obi Wan Kenobi movie has l- since has long been rumored, with actor Ewan McGregor willing to reprise his role from the Star Wars prequels. McGregor has not confirmed anything at this time. The role was first played by Alec Guinness. Oh, really? Who? who was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal. McG- really? I never knew that. McGregor told Entertainment Weekly in April following Star Wars Celebration that he was very interested in joining the new era of Star Wars films. As long as George isn't directing, I'll be... No, I'm kidding. It would be, <laughs> it would be a good segue... Uh, good... segue. Segway. Oh, okay. It would be a good segue... Between the last two ep, Wait, what was with that voice? Isn't it usually a guy who pronounces like Segway? But now it's a girl. Segway. Oh, hot. It would be a good segue between the last episode of the prequels and the new episodes, McGregor said. I think they've got films to make until the 2020s. So I don't. The Roaring Twenties, Stephen. they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's going uh, I don't think it's going to happen soon if it happens at all. It's so,
1: if we all survive this eclipse thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Lucasfilm CEO <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy previously said the studio would announce the focus of the third standalone movie this summer. Many expected that announcement to have been made during Disney's D23 convention or at San Diego Comic-Con, but nothing ever came out of those events. "I think we're getting close," Kennedy told MTV. Kennedy Kennedy my hope would be to announce something uh, sometime around the summer. I never want to predict the creative process because it's its own thing. So we're in the midst of those discussions. See, she doesn't want to come out and say anything before it actually happens. But I don't know where they but got We're going to write a
1: story before you're ready to tell us about the story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can I please get Kathleen Kennedy on the phone and pitch my version? Baby Luke's Day Out? It, it's
1: already hit. The, you know she's already listening to it right now.
0: Oh, thank God she listened to this podcast. Yes. All right, Steven. If you didn't a- know that, another movie in the works. Chris Columbus has penned a twisted and dark g- script for Gremlins Three. Awesome. Let's see if I have any Gremlins well, uh, have drops. Some,
1: uh, the original cast back,
0: like Billy. Mm-hmm. Billy. I don't. I don't have any uh, Gremlins drops. That's weird. Okay, original Gremlins writer Christopher Columbus, he also discovered America, or was it the West Indies, I think? Yes. Is returning to pen the script for Gremlins 3, almost three decades after Gremlins 2, The New Batch, which took the franchise in a more lighthearted direction. In an interview with Slash Film, Columbus teased that the script would resemble the first movie's twisted tone and deal with the issue of whether or not Gizmo should be eliminated. Oh my god! Don't eliminate Gizmo. Kill Gizmo. (laughs) Gizmo caca. I think it probably is a good idea, to be honest with you. Too many people are dying. I'm really proud of the script, Columbus said. It's as twisted and dark as anything, so we'll see... It's always a budgetary conversation when we're going to shoot it. I wanted to go back to the really twisted sensibility of the first movie. I found that was a very easy place for me to fall back into and start writing again. So hopefully we'll see that movie soon. The filmmaker also explained that the film would use minimal CGI in addition to its iconic puppetry. CGI will enable us to remove wires and make the puppeteers' lives a little easier. He said, It was brutal. It was like a marathon every night for those guys. In the bar scene alone, there were 18 to 20 people behind the bar. No one had any space to move. It was just hellish for those guys, so CGI will simply will simplify that a little bit. But it's all puppets. Columbus was not involved in the production of Gremlins 2 The New Batch, which took the franchise in a comedic direction. In December of 2015, Gremlins star Zach Galligan has previously said that Columbus is aiming to undo some of what occurred in Gremlins 2. At that time, Gallagher was emphatic that Gremlins 3 would be a sequel as opposed to a reboot. Gremlins 3 is in development at Warner Brothers. The film does not currently have a release date. All right. So, interesting.
1: Was Puppeteer split on two different lines because it made it sound like Puppets were crying. <laughs> I know.
0: Puppet, Puppet tears. tears. Aww. Oh.
1: Why are the puppets crying?
0: All right, Steven, more movie news. Mm-hmm. Super Troopers 2 secures a very obvious 2018 release date. <laughs> Time for more shenanigans. This coming from Entertainment Weekly, because, you know, you could tell they're trying to be clever.
1: Since I already got my Kickstarter news yesterday about it, so Uh, so did
0: you. You know what they're referring to. (laughs) Super Troopers 2 is officially coming to theaters. Meow. And we'll give you a hint when. It's a date for good friends to come together. Enjoy their favorite... reefer and remind everyone that snozberries taste like snozberries. yep the long-awaited sequel to the cult you're just embarrassing me that i like the movie now article writer isn't he the you cult comedy have to mention all the little things <laughs> in the first movie. it's like the dark tower referencing stephen king works the cult comedy will bow on the marijuana lover's holiday for 20. Actor Steve Lemmy teased during a recent interview that the film would come in springtime, and there's a very obvious date, which happens to fall on a Friday this year. But now it's official. Fox Searchlight announced it will release Super Troopers 2 on April 20th, 2018. According to the plot synopsis, the sequel will see Mac, Thorny, Foster, Rabbit, and Farva called in to set up a new highway patrol station in an area at the center of a border dispute between U.S. and Canada unconventional police work will follow (laughs) the fact that super troopers 2 is even happening is by virtue of the original's lasting impact on fans the indiegogo crowd funding campaign launched in 2015 it's so funny it seems like so long ago that happened hit its initial goal of 2 million within the first day a month later the team had 4.4 million the first set photos hit the internet later that year and filming wrapped in october Marissa Coughlin, Brian Cox, and Linda Carter will return for Super Troopers 2 alongside Emmanuel Shikri. I can never say her name. It doesn't look possible. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Labine, Hayes MacArthur, Will Sasso, and Rob Lowe. Chandra Shecker directs based on a script by the Broken Lizard Gang. Also, by the way, I recently read Jay Chandra Shecker's book, Mustache Shenanigans. Uh-huh. Very entertaining book. It talks about the... Beginning of Broken Lizard and directing. He he was
1: in Denver when I was there, but he was. I was leaving town the night he was performing.
0: Oh, that would have been cool. Was Was he doing like his one man thing? I think so. Yeah. The book is a lot of fun. I listened to him
1: on the radio that morning.
0: And by the way, they do really smoke a lot of pot. In fact, he even says that they have pot smoking brainstorm sessions where they think of jokes for the movies and in the book he'll tell you we thought of this while we were high off our asses (laughs) of a certain (laughs) part or whatever i'm just like yeah i've wanted to buy that book too it's pretty good all right, Stephen, I'm really excited about this news. Wonder Woman's Walmart Blu-ray is going to include a wearable tiara. Sweet. I need to get my tiara, dude. Heck yeah. Director Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman is coming to home video, and Walmart's exclusive Blu-ray will come packed with a movie-accurate tiara for fans. Wait, it says the same thing as the headline. Exclusive to Walmart, the Blu-ray version of the DC Comics-based Smash hit will come complete with a wearable tiara. It says it three times! Three times! It says it here, it says it here, and it says it here. And also, Stephen, it'll come with a bonus scene that wasn't included in the theatrical Uh version of the movie, the tiara looks incredibly accurate when compared to the tiara worn by Dia- Diana Prince in the flick. Check it out but alongside say, the blue. not say it
1: was screen accurate? And now they're saying it looks pretty close. Yeah, it's almost screen accurate. Yeah, don't worry about the what above that says it was screen
0: accurate. It's, it's pretty close. You know, don't worry about it. Don't it looks look for it. Wonder Woman is perhaps the hottest property in DC Extended Universe so far, grossing over $400 million and recently crossing $800 million worldwide. The Justice League member won big at the Teen Choice Awards. Why even include that? <laughs> and Warner Brothers is planning an awards campaign with the hopes of winning an Oscar. Oh, heck yeah. The Blu-ray version of Wonder Woman will include special features, an epilogue, Etta's Mission, in which Lucy Davis fan favorite Edda Candy gets the boys back together for a secret mission that could impact humanity's future. Available August 29th. Awesome can't wait now steven this next news may upset you
1: please don't don't make me upset
0: mission impossible 6 production on hold due to tom cruise injury oh no steven i need i know tom cruise has suffered an injury while performing a stunt on the set of mission impossible six how is there six of those movies already? I mean, wow. But the film is still slated for its release next year. By the way, I'm a fan of those movies. It's the recent ones. I won't get into uh, Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> oh, Do <God. laughs> ah! you remember when you used to just get really pissed off watching the motorcycle scene in that movie? <laughs> it would just make you so mad it's of how irritating. ridiculous. John Woo directed that, by the way, which yes. is funny has confirmed to ign that Cruz broke his ankle while performing a stunt oh my god during production on the latest mission impossible film tom cruise broke his ankle while performing a stunt production will go on hiatus while tom makes a full recovery and the film remains on schedule to open july 27 2018
1: He's t- tom- tough like jackie chan you put a cast on and paint it to look like a shoe and go again
0: you think his uh thetans would help heal him or something
1: I die. didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. Any further delay could also potentially impact the re- release of the filming of the recently announced Top Gun sequel, which is currently slated to hit theaters on July 12, 2019. How could that possibly interfere with that? Director and writer Christopher McQuarrie spoke earlier this year about the film's different look at Ethan Hunt and teased notable character's returns. Yeah, I'm not clicking on your story, okay? But anyway, that's it, Stephen. How do you feel about that?
1: I'm very saddened.
0: Are you sad about I'm Tom? I'm hoping
1: his Thetans do help him heal. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Me too. Or getting rid of his Thetans.
0: <laughs> Sorry. All right, Steven, the
1: Statens are holding him back.
0: Now for some TV news, or I should say streaming news, Amazon's Galaxy Quest revival finds new life with writer Paul Shear. Amazon is saying, never give up, never surrender to its plans to revive Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh! After a year plus delay, the TV continuation of the 1999 sci-fi comedy is back on track, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Too bad, uh... Um, Seth McFarlane has kind of ripped off the premise for his new show. <laughs> Doesn't it look like Galaxy Quest? Yeah. But I mean, I know it's not a TV show or whatever. They still have that thing with Galaxy Quest. It's, you know, how they're TV actors, but aliens think they're real space people they've seen on TV or whatever. Right. So they have that. But it do- it is a comedy that looks like Star Trek. And that's where the show, Seth McFarlane show, which is called... Look, with an O. Yeah. Looks like that. So anyway, uh, the original film starred Tim Allen and Sigourney Reaver, Stephen. I don't know if you knew this. And it's cast members of a Star Trek-like show who are drawn into an actual intergalactic conflict with invading aliens. I know you don't as long know as
1: that. As Tommy Salube is back in it, I'm good
0: yeah amazon's new take it planned to reunite the original cast but co-star alan rickman's death and oh man Mm -hmm. galaxy quest is really close to being resurrected in a very creative way alan told thr last year that's closer than i could tell you but i can't say any more than that the real kicker is that alan now has to be left out it's been a big shock on many levels i'm totally bummed out now don't even bother making it all right steven MoviePass drops price to 9.95, and it draws anger as a partner, AMC Theatres. <laughs> I just thought this was funny. Okay. You can now see a movie a day in theaters for under $10 a month. But the new subscription price point from the MoviePass service has caused one of the company's partners to consider opting out of the program. MoviePass announced its new price point yesterday, allowing interested buyers to subscribe to the service for 19 Wait, did I say service? Subscribe to the service for 9.95 a month. Users then download an app and are mailed a debit card, which allows the users to check into a movie at partner theaters once a day and see one movie every day effectively the service now pays for itself with one movie viewing in many parts of the United States. Those who are already subscribed will automatically be adjusted down to that price on their next bill movie pass app and debit card combo. Wait, that's just floating there by itself. The system initially launched in 2010 with AMC theaters as a major partner. Standard prices for the service originally were $45 a month. Wow. From 45 to nine 95. They had no takers, did they? No. But with the company now having a new majority stakeholder, Helios and Matheson, the entry fee has been drastically lowered. This change, according to the Helios and Matheson CEO, Ted Farnsworth, told Bloomberg, is part of an attempt to bolster its customer base and then collect viewing habit data. Uh Aha, they're swallowing up data, Steven. But the... The changes brought the ire of AMC Theaters, which released a press release noting that the company is consulting with its attorneys to determine if or how AMC can prevent a subscription program offered by MoviePass from being used at AMC Theaters in the United States. AMC cites the fact that the AMC average ticket costs more in at... Average cost coming in at nine thirty-three. The company believes MoviePass will be losing money with every subscriber who sees more than a movie a month and is unsustainable business model. While AMC is not supposed to, to while AMC is not opposed to subscription programs generally, the one envisioned by MoviePass is not one AMC can embrace. And you know, is a this AMC that owns the theaters the same one that owns the channel and Walking Dead, or is that separate?
1: I don't think they're the same.
0: Yeah. MoviePass executive Mitch Lowe responded to AMC's comments comparing the reaction to that of Blockbusters when Netflix and Redbox, both of which Lowe previously worked with, appeared in the marketplace. It's the big guy being afraid of the little guy, offering better value to consumers. Okay. Yeah, I
1: saw a thing about this, and they talk about, well, if you get people into theaters, even at the lower price...
0: They're going to buy.
1: They're going to buy popcorn, drinks... Uh, that is know, true. Hot dogs. So, would you rather play to an empty theater, nobody buying anything, or mm-hmm. a, a fuller theater with people buying food?
0: That is true.
1: And you tell me that box of popcorn is eight bucks.
0: Yeah, usually I drop about fifteen dollars or more—eighteen, mm-hmm. fifteen to eighteen dollars—at the concession stand. Cause yeah. especially if Emma's with me and I buy her stuff too. All right, Stephen, it's time for Let's Read Run Tomatoes. What do you say? Let's do it. You say either, I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either, either, and either neither, neither, let's call the whole thing off. Yes, you like potato, and I like potatoes, you like tomatoes. I like tomato, potato, potato, tomato, tomato, let's call the whole thing off. I like still tomato juice. Mmm, my favorite. All right, Steven. This week, The Hitman's Bodyguard has come out. Do you know what that is? Yes. That's an action comedy starring... Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. The world's top protection agent, Ryan Reynolds, is called upon to guard the life of his mortal enemy, one of the world's most notorious hitmen, Samuel L. Jackson. The relentless bodyguard and manipulative assassin have been on opposite ends of the bullet for years and are thrown together for a wildly outrageous 24 hours. During their raucous and hilarious adventures from England to the Hague, they encounter high-speed car chases, outlandish boat escapades, and a merciless Eastern European dictator played by Gary Oldman, who is out for blood. Salma Hayek joins the mayhem as Jackson's equally notorious wife. Oh my gosh, this sounds like a real romp, Stephen. What do you think? But it's hilarious. Everyone! Um, okay, well, currently the film is 40% rotten. That is 113 reviews counted, 45 fresh, 68 rotten. Let's see some of these reviews. Kate Taylor of Globe and Mail, Stephen, she says, The political realism doesn't sit well with the exploding cars, singing guns, and quipping killers. Two out of four. All right.
1: That's average. Is that bad? Or is that a good review?
0: That is rotten.
1: It's an average. It's not <laughs> good or bad.
0: Barbara Vandenberg says Aside from a handful of chuckles and a high octane action sequence, The Hitman's Bodyguard is an ugly film lacking a moral center. I give it a two out of five. Okay. okay. Rotten. James Barrera Darinelli of Realview says For Jesus. oh.
1: Owl weather ahead?
0: Amber alert. Oh. What's funny is, like, when you turn the amber alert off, when you hit OK, it disappears. So you don't have time to read it while the annoying sound is going off. So I have no idea what the amber alert was. Right. They need to rethink that. That's uh, my two cents, Stephen. They need to rethink amber alerts. It should make that sound. You click it, and then you read what it's about. Right. Not It disappears. All right, Um, James Barrera Darinelli says For me, the hitman's bodyguard is the epitome of what a summer movie should be. I give it a three out of four. Wow. Thanks, Jimmy. Susan Woloskisna of Robert Roger Ebert. Wait, (laughs) RogerEbert.com.
1: <laughs> Do you see how you no
0: see su- Susan <sighs> lost Lus-
1: Lus- Lusch-
0: yeah, that's good well, no one is going to mistake the hitman's bodyguard for high art. It will please those in the mood for late summer fun. I give it a two point five out of four yep they're right that is fresh Soren Anderson of the Seattle Times says. Standard stuff, but it's got more humor and zest than most movies of its kind, and that makes it pretty darn enjoyable. I give it a three out of four. Oh wow! I okay. Getting
1: a negative
0: voice, not a positive. Voice. <laughs> no, hmm. he he started out kind of that way, and then he came around. Oh, okay. Jim Judy of Screen, it says, "Its familiarity ends up robbing the film. Its characters and those playing them." Of the opportunity to create something novel or memorable. Full content review for parents. Father- oh, wait. That's the uh, rest of the review. Anyway, he uh, gave it a rotten. Okay. Molly Freeman of Screen Rant says, The Hitman's Bodyguard is a mediocre action flick elevated by the talented and comedic chemistry of Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds. <laughs>
1: so she's got a crush on Ryan Reynolds, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. And, or Samuel L. Jackson. And she's SpongeBob. Or both. Frank Wilkins says bludgeons its way to theaters with a rapid fire hell of machine gun bullets and filthy jokes neither of which is capable of hitting a target with any amount of consistency two out of five counted as fresh two out of five counted as fresh how is that consistent with what we saw up here two out of four is rotten but a two out of five is fresh does that make any sense
1: to you how, I, I think Rotten Tomatoes is screwed up. I
0: think so. Let's how, see. How, That's right. Do we have any kind of alarms? No.
1: How do you trust their, their, whether or not it's really fresh or rotten? Because you said it was 40% rotten. How can you actually trust that?
0: I know. You can't. Mike McGranahan of Isle Seat says... The Hitman's Bodyguard is one of those right down the middle movies. It's neither great nor terrible. Two point five out of four counted as rotten. Two point five out of four is rotten, but a two out of five is a fresh. Did you see my ever see my tweet for uh, uh I think what they need to do
1: is have their own scale rotten tomatoes. You have to go off of their scale. Yeah. If it's a five scale, it's a 10 scale. You can't have your four scale. Yeah. You can't have your 10 scale, whatever.
0: But instead they don't, they just gather all of the reviews and they have some kind of computer kind of weigh it out. Did you see that one? I did of the, that one guy, his review of the dark tower. He gave it a two out of five and it was counted fresh or no, it was a one out of five and it was counted fresh. And I, I tweeted it. I said, Go home, Rotten Tomatoes. You're drunk, basically. Right, right. yeah. Uh, that was just amazing. Gary Wolcott of Tri-City Herald says, Ignore the overall negative RT splat, Rotten Tomato splat. This is a guilty pleasure in a buddy flick destined to rank with Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop, and his cousins. Ryan and Jackson are a blast. Five out of five. Whoa. Dude, Gary Wolcott... He's got me excited to see it now. Catherine Monk says, Not even Ra- Reynolds' na- <laughs> <laughs> not even Reynolds' natural charm seems to work in this poorly constructed frame. It feels like something self-consciously struck between smug and stupid, like watching Johnny Depp on a talk show. <laughs> wow. Wow, what did you give against Johnny Depp?
1: He hates Johnny Depp.
0: I guess he is a dick. Okay, Randall King says, This is one of those movies where the late August release proves to be a warning of mediocre material. No matter how much you may happen to dig Reynolds and or Jackson... uh, Click on the review to read the rest. Should I? Nah. We're good. Done. Yeah. Dishes are done, man. Reviews are done. (laughs) (laughs) One more. Neil Pond of Parade Magazine says... It's funny, it's violent, and it feels like bits and pieces of a lot of other movies held together by a couple of solid actors riffing off each other as they mark the time between other bigger, better projects. (laughs) I give it a 2 out of 5. 2 out of 5 count as rotten, while on the other page, 2 out of 5 is what? Fresh. Fresh. Makes no sense. One more, Marianne Johansson, a flick philosopher. Reluctant buddy action comedy feels like unfunny, warmed over 90s leftovers. Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson look like they'd rather be elsewhere. A one out of five. Wow. So that movie sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's a movie I'm really excited to see Logan Lucky. Mm -hmm. That movie looks funny. Okay, let me read the synopsis. Trying to reverse a family curse, brothers Jimmy and Clyde Logan set out to ex- execute an elaborate robbery during the legendary Coca-Cola 600 race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Starring, I do this all the time, I go, is it Channing Tatum or Tatum Channing? And Heather goes, uh, I can't remember, because I confuse her every time I ask that. Is it Channing Tatum or Tatum Channing? Uh, wait, it, what is it? Every time. but it a choice? It stars Channing Tatum. Adam Driver, and Katie Holmes. And that guy who plays James Bond, Daniel Craig. So right now, it's currently at 93% fresh. Wow. 130 reviews counted, 121 fresh, and 9 rotten. So there's 9 guys here who are like, Ugh, I'm better than this. Let's read the reviews. One of them is Rex Reed. Ugh. Logan Lucky is as charming and welcome as toenail fungus, one out of four. Wow, he didn't like it, Steven. at all or
1: Rex Reed. well,
0: yeah, exactly, and let's see i gotta I i gotta see another uh batter Because there' are a lot of really good ones. Michael Heaton of Cleveland Plain Dealer says. Didn't I read somewhere that Soderbergh had retired from filmmaking? This would be a perfect time for him to keep that promise, C-plus, rotten. That's,
1: that's fresh.
0: <laughs> I think that's pretty rude, telling the guy to go ahead and retire. C-plus
1: is above
0: average. It's really hard to make movies, guys. And Hornaday. <laughs> Hornaday. <laughs> She has horn in her name, Stephen. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, as a hotly anticipated comeback, it feels like a slightly dippy, ultimately disposable warm-up of a director whose brains chops and judicious taste we need more than ever. Two out of four. Rotten. Their, their huh?
1: system hurts my head.
0: It, it sounds like she's she likes it.
1: Doesn't rotten it? Tomatoes is is 6 out
0: of 10 f- rotten. <laughs> nice. Scott Marks of the San Diego Reader says, In the very least, Hal Needham, smoking the bandit film, displayed a fair amount of affection amid the hamming for their shit-kicking rubes. Zero out of five. That's what these people have a problem with, because they play dumb people. And some people just can't watch a movie with dumb characters, I think. The actors mostly lean hard on comical redneck accents, and the slow-moving plot features too many leaps of logic. 2.5 out of 5. Rotten. 2.5 out of 5 is average, isn't it? Okay. One more. Kelly Vance says, So who really needs Logan Lucky? More to the point, will they buy this in the South? Who gives a shit? All right, shut up. All right, Stephen. I want to read the positive reviews of this movie after we've heard from some of these jerkies. Jerkies? Jerkoffs. James Barrera-Darinelli of RealView says, It's good to have Soderberg back. Even he never really... Even if he... Hey, Stephen, James Barrera-Darinelli of RealView <laughs> says, It's good to have Soderberg back. Even if he never was really away. Ah, oh, I did it. Three out of four.
1: Cut it out.
0: <laughs> Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says, Stephen Soderbergh's Logan Lucky, written by Rebecca Blunt, is a down-home heist movie that comes across like a southern-fried variation of one of his own Oceans films. 3.5 out of 5. Hey. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, A slick, smarter-than-your-average-bear heist comedy that moves in grooves with all the hallmarks of a Soderbergh caper. He's back, baby. I give it a B. All right. Joshua Rothkopf of Time Out says, When the plot stops cold for a beauty pageant performance of an exquisite purity, you'll feel like you're watching the most American film of the year. Four out of five. Wow. Barry Hertz of Globe and Mail says, Logan Lucky is a crackerjack heist film that strongly echoes Soderbergh's other crackerjack heist franchise, but with a uniquely downmarket and genuinely affectionate charm all of its own. 3.5 out of four. Wow! Plus, plus, you get a box of Cracker Jacks when you watch this movie. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Kurt Loader of MTV, remember that guy? Mm-hmm. The this picture suggests a great director easing back into his feature film game. All right, isn't he
1: like ninety now?
0: <laughs> I think so. He was ninety when we were young. <laughs> Jim Judy of Screen, it says, like its characters, this film has no airs about it, and simply exists to entertain viewers, and it does with. Plenty of aplomb and ease. All right, you get counted off for that. Edward Johnson Ott says, Logan Lucky is fun and engaging caper movie directed by Steven Soderbergh. All right, I want to see it. I think it looks hilarious. I thought it had a great trailer. What do you think? Yeah, it looks funny. Steven, I don't know if you know about this, but last week, a movie called... Annabelle creation came out. <laughs> I don't like scary movies. I'm <laughs> kidding. I love. So I don't
1: like them all. I like some scary movies. I don't mind.
0: Them. A couple still. Grieving from the death of their daughter. Oh, my God. Taking children from a local orphanage. Great idea. But the family are soon terrorized by a demented doll known as Annabelle. <laughs> that wacky doll is at it again, Stephen. Oh, jeez. So anyway, the film is 67% fresh. 126 counted, 84 fresh, 42 rotten. Let's sh- see how many were mistaken for fresh or rotten. All right. Let me take a drink or quick.
1: So my question to you is: Do people have to submit them, or do they go? Does it look for them?
0: I think that you get your Rotten Tomatoes like uh, certification somehow when they they inspect your wherever your reviews go, and you just submit it every week. So they get it in their probably an RSS feed or something, and they figure it out with their own programming. You know what I'm saying? I would prefer the reviewer uh, say. Have the the stars to click on which ones they gave it. Chris Nashwadi of Entertainment Weekly says the setup is promising and it offers some decent early jump scares, but eventually the thinness of the material because oh becomes overwhelmingly obvious. I give it a C, which counts as rotten. All right, Jamie Rigetti of IndieWire. People called him Jamie Spaghetti in school. That was mean, wasn't it? It might not be uh, another conjuring, but Annabelle Creation manages to channel the appeal of the franchise well enough to keep its blood flowing until the next installment. I give it a B minus. Oh, wow. There's already going to be another one. Brian Tallarico of RogerEbert.com says... Has echoes of the original film and works more with mood and less cheap scares than either Annabelle or The Conjuring 2, resulting in a truly effective genre flick. I give it a 3 out of 4. This is Brian Tallarico and see you later. Alright, okay. Uh, Bruce Damara says While the original film, Annabelle was. (laughs) Jeez, he's very nasal. (laughs) I'm sorry. Nasally.
1: Just entertaining myself. <laughs> While the
0: original. <laughs> okay, let me let me do this. Take take three. <laughs> okay, Bruce Demara of the Toronto Star says, "While the original Annabelle was a rather decent, well-crafted chiller, this one seems a bit more ham-fisted and less satisfying. I give it a two out of four, which counts as rotten in my book." All right, Sounds
1: like Professor Frank.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and...
1: A little Cleveland at the end
0: <laughs> emily yoshida says <laughs> don't do it it's proof that slower doesn't always mean better at heart okay emily yoshida of new york magazine and vulture slash vulture wow so two different paychecks mm-hmm. from one review pretty good it's proof that slower doesn't always mean better in horror. You know, my female voice has to be like a British, British accent. Right. I can't. Let me try. I it thought
1: up. you were trying to do a, go Asian.
0: I did for a second. And
1: I was like, don't thought
0: better of it. <laughs> Julia Cooper says. Sandberg does nothing to update his horror film from some of the genre's more damaging stereotypes. I give it a 1.5 out of 4.
1: <laughs> I think oh. TRS-80 needs to read one of these reviews. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Uh, oh, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Eric Estrada of Cinegarage, Garage, which I love, I, plus, I love Eric Estrada. Says this. Oh, chips.
1: The film surpasses what was
0: previously seen in
1: the universe of The Conjuring, thanks to its first part, but the rest doesn't give for more.
0: That's right. Eric Estrada gives it uh rotten. It doesn't give a review, of number rating. Okay, one more. Stephen Sergio Lopez Aguire says this. This was originally in Spanish, so. Sweet. uh
1: a that goes directly to the origin of an icon within the franchise of the conjuring and manages to get ahead.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> A 3.5 out of 5! Well, Steven, that is right to <laughs> Having too much fun this week. Next week, uh, that movie Birth of the Dragon comes out. I don't know what to think of this. Remember we saw the trailer to this? It's... Set against the backdrop of 1960s San Francisco, Birth of the Dragon is a modern take on the classic movies that Bruce Lee was known for. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It takes its inspiration from the epic and still controversial showdown between an up-and-coming Bruce Lee and Kung Fu master Wong Jack Man, a battle that gave birth to a legend. I don't know. I can't wait to see your reviews of this because I don't know what to think of this movie. Do you?
1: No. When you said birth of a the... dragon, I was like thinking of a, like a ah! dragons movie.
0: Yeah. So birth of the dragon. What's funny is that commercial came on TV the other night. We were watching something. and Heather goes, I want to see that. And I go, what? Yeah. You want to see that? You want to see something about Bruce Lee, basically? Awesome. All right, everybody, that was Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you guys so much for putting up with that. And we will see you on the flip side. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And see (laughs) you. everyone, that was an episode of Entertainment Landfill News, and the reason I said it like that is because I don't remember that was episode forty three of ETL News. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. It's always fun to get together with Steven and talk about movies and stupid T V show news and movies. Disappointment
1: and... In movies. <laughs> yeah,
0: disappointment. Yeah, that was a bummer. But hey, Brixby Be Bear kind of made up for all of that, I think. I think,
1: yeah, that one was like way, yeah, at the top of my list right now.
0: That's a movie that I can't wait to see the extras on the Blu-ray. I want, by the way, Mark Hamill's in the movie and he's great, isn't right. he? Right, yes. Uh, I can't wait to see all the extras on that Blu-ray. I'm going to own that sucka and watch it over and over again. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. Go to etlandfill.com. There you can find links to all of our old shows. There's a lot of them. Also, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm the J Strom on Twitter. Steven is pcz Steven. Bill is Mulberry Bill. Also, click on the little Facebook icon, and that will take you to the Entertainment Landfill Fan Club. That's right. That's where you can talk to us and uh, post and stuff like that. Also, guys, if you would, if you'd like to support the show, if you like the podcast, you want to throw some uh, money our way, support us. Go to Patreon.com Landfill. That way you can keep the show going and all that kind of stuff. All right, Stephen. And before we go, I have a voicemail to play. This from Adam Sexton. Let's check it out.
2: Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton leaving some voicemail. Uh, It was not only great to hear a regular daily episode, but to also get a Dark Tower reaction episode as well. Both were very uh, entertaining and uh, got me through this past week. I wanted to leave some feedback regarding some topics on the last daily episode and a brief comment or two about the Dark Tower reaction show i still have not watched the dark tower and probably won't for reasons i'll get to later first off um on the daily episode one of your conversation topics was uh, baby driver and one of the common criticisms that i've read and which was brought up during your discussion is that certain supporting characters aren't developed well enough like uh deborah which is the lily james character for example I can understand that comment and that opinion and why some have felt that way, uh, but I disagree, and here's why. The I never said that. The whole film is told sorry, through Baby's perspective, which, let's face it, has a unique filter or two, and namely it's music. And it's a choice that gives him personality and is uh, also... Uh, you know uh develops the backstory music was a huge thing that his mother shared with him. It was a coping mechanism for his whole life, and he's used it uh, as such ever since so he sees the world a certain way. he uses it to maneuver through it a certain way. It doesn't just help him focus on getaway driving it colors his opinions on the world Maybe and the dry. people in most- it and bueno. some critics have made this weird psychological connection that deborah provides the comforting presence that he lost when his mother died his name is baby put two and two together and yada 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 i think it's kind of a lazy born way to look at it and yes she has qualities that remind him of his mother and yes she works at the diner that his mother worked at but uh keep this in mind the desire to go on a long road trip and never look back is her idea that's her desire and that's basically her exit plan and baby up to that point doesn't have such an exit plan so through their courtship through their time together her dream becomes his and it it becomes something that fits both of them they're very compatible in so many ways uh and that they come together makes perfect sense so that's one of the many ways uh, that the script actually develops the literally james in uh through what we know about Baby Driver and how he sees the world. that That's just the example regarding Deborah. So that's my two cents on that issue. Uh, the second topic is for Valerian. And as I recall, the one of the topics of discussion was Dane DeHaan's performance and whether or not that his uh, performance hurt the film's box office prospects. It may have hurt the film critically in some circles, but I don't, but I don't know if that's a factor for what it did commercially. Uh, I know some felt imp- uh, unimpressed I'm with his ability to lead a, lead a film like this. Selling a film. Uh, I didn't mind Han. The longer that the film went on, if there's any weakness to his performance, is that I just don't buy any chemistry between his character and that of uh, uh, Cara Devlin's. I'm, I'm probably really screwing up Devlin. Probably screwing up her last Deleveen. name. Sorry, sorry about that. Between the lead female female character, uh, I buy that they're friends. I buy that they're really they work and communicate really well in the in. field. Uh, but as lovers, not not so much. And it's probably unfair to place the blame there completely on DeHaan. The script may also be to blame for not giving enough info as to why these two characters love each other, even to the point where one asks for the other other's hand in marriage. Uh, Valerian's box office suffered because, basically, let's face it, a Christopher Nolan movie came out the same weekend. And in the U.S., that's an event. that's put That puts butts in seats. Uh, just didn't stand a chance. It, it's hard to say if Valerian would have been better received had it been released another weekend. I mean, audiences here are fickle and unpredictable. The, the same been. thing happened to King things. Arthur Legend of the Sword when it came out basically in the wake of guardians of the galaxy volume two. So, uh, I just hope Valerian does well overseas where people still take a chance on something weird and unique instead of waiting for it to show up on Netflix. A third topic is, and I'll make this brief is the dark tower episode. It was, it's great, uh, to hear you guys talk about anything Stephen King related. And I kind of wish I could hear, uh, Steven himself talk about the movies. Um you get that this week. it was very informative, a lot of fun. There's a lot of references that I don't completely understand. I've only read books one through four, but uh based on the the many reviews that I've read and based on your discussion, yeah, it just seemed like they really screwed the pooch on this one and uh I had very little interest in seeing the movie based on the trailers I saw. I have even less right now, and that's disappointing. I, I really loved, uh, you know, the actors that are involved, so um, I don't know what, what else to add other than thank you for the two of you uh, expounding on your thoughts uh, about the, the movie and uh, what it missed and the things that it tried to incorporate uh into the into the movie whether it was dark tower related or just related to stephen king universes uh as well um i I just wanted to tell you that it was very entertaining and uh that you've scared me away from the movie so um uh as i'm recording this i don't know if you're doing a show tonight or soon enough (laughs) but i just wanted to get this on the record and say thank you once again for recording podcast episodes and entertaining me through long, uh, work hours through this dreadful summer, which is just recently wrapped up. And, um, thank, thank you for always putting out content and communicating with us, uh, your fans. And, uh, I, uh, hope you have a relaxing weekend and I will speak to you later. Bye.
0: I can see things all right adam thank you so much for that voicemail i always appreciate your voicemails and thanks for all those talking points uh i appreciate that very much and you know what you'll see the dark Char one day on cable and you'll you know draw your own conclusions obviously we were close to it because of the books and uh also uh heather she wanted to say something to you adam that was a word from heather my wife and uh adam keep it up man thanks a lot and uh keep on trucking once again it's uh fun to do the show and i can't wait to do some more and stuff like that my daughter's back in school i think i'll have some more time to do maybe some chuck series companions again i took some i think the last one i did was around may or something like that but uh, i'll have time to do some more of those so guys what are you waiting for, man? Get up there, go see Brigsby be Bear, and we'll see you next time! Later, Steven! Later, later Days, man! Thank
1: you, later. By Hammer Now,
0: this is podcasting!